Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Fox Nomad Travel Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Anil Polat, Fox Nomad, and let's get started. I've had a lot of coffee this morning, so I'm ready to go. I hope you had a very, very happy new year, and I hope you have a full new year with a lot of travel and a lot of tech coming up. I'm starting off the new year in a new city, so I'm in Boston today. Never been to Boston before. And it's just a quick stopover before I go to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas next week. So on today's episode, since it is around New Year time and you've got a couple more days where everybody's going to be telling you their bucket lists and all kinds of looking back and looking forward. And I'm sure your friends are going to be posting all kinds of weird inspirational messages on social media. I wanted to talk about on today's episode, New York Eve, New York Eve, New Year's Eve in Times Square airline status and whether or not it's actually worth it. And I've got a pretty crazy story from another writer who went to a crazy amount of effort for to keep maintain airline status, and it just went horribly wrong. And then I want to finish off with some travel blogger recommendations. As you're listening to this podcast, a new video is coming out on YouTube. So I've got a video where I compiled or I got in touch with a lot of my travel blogging friends get their recommendations on where you should travel in 2020 so we've got that coming up so i wanted to talk about that and a lot of the places that they recommend are places that i haven't been which i found very interesting and so it gives me a lot of motivation to to travel a lot in the new year so let's start off with 2020 let's start off with new york city and new year's eve in new york city actually was in new york city for basically just new year's just for a very quick stop I had a little bit of work to do in the city, and then I stayed for New Year's, and then I came right to Boston. I did not go to Times Square. I have been to Times Square a lot of times, just over the years, and I, it's not one of my favorite places. I think it's interesting if you see it once or twice, but it's kind of, it's just like a touristic mad trap. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk a little about New Year's Eve. So I was talking with some of my friends there about what it's like to get down into Times Square for New Year's Eve. There were so many things I didn't know about it, and I just met up with some friends last night, and I was telling them about it, and they were totally shocked. So I wanted to, you know, sort of... It made me wonder why anybody actually goes to Times Square for New Year's Eve, but if that's something that's been on your bucket list, or you're thinking about it, or you've always wondered about it, here's some of that, that kind of insider information. First of all, generally, New York locals don't go there. They avoid Times Square. They just generally avoid Times Square unless they're working there. But when it comes to New Year's Eve, nobody goes to Times Square. They all go to bars or restaurants. They all have A lot of them have these uh, deals where you pay you know, $80 or $100 or whatever, and you get to drink all night or for a couple of hours at least. There seems to be a pretty heavy restaurant bar kind of new year's eve event scene but you can find a lot of just regular bars where people just go to hang out have new year's eve so if you want something lower key basically just avoid Times square and you can find something that's that's pretty fun um so but if that new york uh experience at Times square for new year's eve is on your bucket list let's talk about it so the way it works so to give you just a general idea there's what i was wondering is why do so many people go there and Basically, they go to watch, they call it the, the apple drop, the ball drop, whatever. It's just an electronic, it's just a lit up ball that goes down, you know, however many meters down on the top of, you know, a building. And then everybody claps and it's over. So the whole event is about 15 to 20 minutes. But 
your day starts off basically around 12 in the afternoon. Yes, that's right. If you want to be up close, if you want to be on TV, you need to get there at 12. If you want to actually see the performances live, so where you can actually see them at eye level, you want to get there around 12 o'clock. And earlier in the day, what the New York police do. So what they do is they block off certain certain streets. So there are only a few entrances into Times Square around that time on New Year's Eve. You can only go in into those certain areas on those certain streets. There are these um, sort of cordoned off areas. So everybody has like their little areas. It's a way to, for them to control groups and to have group management. So you've got, you know, if you get there early, you're going to be in the front group and then you've got the second group and all those groups are separated with barriers. And once you get to your group, depending on where you're going to watch New Year's Eve, that's pretty much it for you. You are you are pretty much stuck in that little group pen area, as they call it. You're stuck there for a good amount of time. So this is starting off, remember, like I said, around 12 or, you know, maybe 2 in the afternoon. Those are generally the time you want to get there if you want a decent view, especially of all the street and the television stuff because they do New Year's on TV live there every year. And if that's something that you're interested in, 12 o'clock. So you're going to get down there to one of the main streets. You should probably, you know, maybe the day before talk to one of the police officers or maybe, you know, Google it or whatever. Generally, if you ask one of the cops in that area, they're going to know. So you just want to find out what street you need to be in and how to get into this specific pen. Like I said, start your day off at around 12 o'clock, 2 at the absolute latest. And it's worth noting that if you are one of the people that is closest to the action, that means that once you're in that little group area, you can't leave until after, basically until about 15 to 20 minutes after midnight. So if you get there at 2 or 3, you're pretty much going to be stuck there for a solid, you know, 8 hours. It's You can't leave, so you cannot leave that little pen area. You probably won't be able to go to the bathroom. You can't really bring drinks or there's definitely... Uh, you can't bring alcohol is what I'm told now. So you can't bring alcohol. You can't really bring drinks. Um, you can't really bring bags, so you can't bring, bring anything that's large. Maybe a Ziploc bag is okay, something that's clear, but you can't bring a lot of, you can't bring a bag. So you're stuck with what you can fit in basically a Ziploc bag. So you might as well bring some, you know, trail mix or something that's going to keep you going for a solid eight hours. So now you've got that, you're stuck there for eight hours and hopefully the weather is decent, but New York City uh, in the winter around that time, it's going to be pretty cold. And uh, if if you're unlucky, it's going to be raining and it could just be quite a miserable experience. But this is what you wanted to do. Um, and now you're there. So here, you're stuck now. You are in that pen and you are not not getting out. So let's talk about that. So you're in there. You don't have access to the bathrooms and you're just you're stuck in that little area. You might maybe if you're on one of the exterior pens, be able to sneak out onto the street and go to one of the businesses that are there. So there are these small little cafes or restaurants. You might be able to sneak into there and go to the bathroom. But as you get closer to around 7 or 8 p.m., that's not going to be an option either. So you better go there super dehydrated. You better not. I've heard, I have heard that a lot of people, a surprising number of people actually wear adult diapers to New Year's Eve in New York City, which I find a little bit bizarre. Um, you know, I, I just... I think that's, well, it may, you know, it's a commitment, right? If you're 
if you really want to go to New Year's Eve in Times Square and you're willing to wear an adult diaper um, and just go to the bathroom, it just doesn't seem like the nicest way to start off the new year. I'd rather just probably not drink any water, coffee, or beer before, and I think you'd probably be okay. I mean, you know, if you're there like three or four, that's like eight hours of holding. That's a long time. Uh, so, all right, you guys just be prepared. If you've got children, uh, good luck to you. So, um, and again, you can't really bring food or snacks either. Um, so that's a long time to go without eating and you're standing the entire time. There no, there's no seating. So you're, you're there and you're up and uh, you're exposed to the elements. So you want to dress very warmly, more warm than you might need. You can always take layers off if you don't have the layers with you. You can't really put on the layers. So so now you are there sober, freezing, and hungry, and probably soiling yourself uh, at this point uh, at New Year's Eve. And uh, you get to watch the ball drop. Um, you get to do the countdown. You get to see the, the ball drop. I'm sure that's interesting for some people. And then after that, about 10 or 15 minutes after that, it's um, they open the pens up. You can only leave. Uh, to certain parts so you can only you can only enter in certain you know directions on certain streets and then you can only leave in certain directions in certain streets and so that's for again crowd management and security and all of that stuff so you can only leave on those certain streets and it's basically a mad 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 dash to get to the subway lines and those streets are just super crowded every new york everybody who lives in new york told me that they pretty much avoid times square uh, on New Year's Eve, especially those subway stations, they, they're just a nightmare at that time. Um, so what I thought was interesting about this was, one, why do people want to go? Which, you know, I didn't really understand. And it seems like a lot of effort to go there and not being able to go to the bathroom and having to stand for that long and just freeze and you can't leave. It just seems like a lot of effort for a very small thing just to see the ball drop. But I know it's a big deal to a lot of people. But I don't know. Now that you know all of this, did you know all of this? Uh, you can let me know in on Twitter at Fox Nomad. You can let me know. Knowing all of this, do you still want to go? Would you go? Is there anything, you know, is there any event that you would go to that's that short that you would uh, go through that, that amount of effort? I don't know. I definitely would not want to do it. Um, you can always see the ball drop on TV. It's sort of like watching sports live, you know. You go to a sports game and it's nice to be in the atmosphere of a stadium and to have the energy of the crowd and all of that. That's, that's something nice about that. Um, that's something that you can't recreate on television. But on TV, you do get the best views by far. You, you get all the angles, the replays, the commentary. In a lot of ways, watching things on TV is is aside from the atmosphere, which you, you don't get as much because you're watching it, you know, by yourself or you know at your home or whatever so you don't get that atmosphere so i get that at new year's eve if you go there you can have that atmosphere um but i just think i would i would avoid it i'd rather have a much more relaxed new year's eve and hopefully that means a much more relaxed coming up new year so let me know what you think about new year's eve in new york city if you've ever been let me know if you want to go still and if you do want to go um why why uh, let me know uh, on Twitter at Fox Nomad, and we'll just jump right into the second topic, which is airline status. So, airline status. So, there are a couple of different 
uh, you know, levels of airline status. And basically, you get status from flying a lot. You fly a lot and you get these different levels of status. And most airlines have like a beginner, you know, like a silver and then a gold and then a platinum or something like that. Generally speaking, the um, the silver or the, the first level requires, you know, flying a certain amount of miles in a given time period, which is usually a year. And then spending a certain amount of money on these qualified miles. So these special types of purchases so let's say if you're on united then you can only fly you can only so you'd have to fly like to get silver i think it's like twenty-five thousand miles a year um which you know if you consider like a u.s europe trip is about five thousand miles that gives you an idea but then you also have to spend a certain amount of money on united and what i mean by that is like if you use an aggregator so if you use like kayak or something like that a lot of times the purchase or the money that you pay to get the ticket through kayak doesn't go towards those special dollars uh, spent for your status. So in other words, you're often paying more money for that kind of ticket. And all of that said, that's that's the reason why the usually the only people that have status, you know, at gold or higher are business travelers. So people who are flying business and first class very often because you get special uh, you get more miles for, you know, you get double or triple miles. And then um, those tickets obviously are much more expensive. And for a lot of people, if your company is paying for it, uh, that's a lot easier uh, to swallow for your budget. So, um, but uh, to get to like a gold status requires, you know, double or triple what it takes to get to that first silver status. Um, and the silver status, you know, has a couple of perks. Um, and, you know, it's it's pretty obtainable if you travel internationally i would say three to four times a year that's pretty obtainable for most people some of the perks that you get is you get a cool little card that makes you feel special um but you also often get to go through the faster lines and security so you know how uh, premium and business class uh you know how those travelers they can usually they have a faster line separate for them well then you get that line for you as well. So you can go into the premium uh, security lines, which means you don't have to spend as much time in security. If there are any upgrades available, often you're the first or the second set of picks. So if the, the plane is empty um, and the person at checkout, if the clerk is feeling uh, generous, then generally, if you even if you have that first level of silver status or whatever the first level is for a given airline, usually they upgrade you first, um, which is kind of a nice perk. Um, and then you, you know, it, it has just small little things that can save you some time and you might get the occasional upgrade to business class, which is always nice. But where things really change is when you get to that gold status. So when you get to that gold status, you can get into all the airline lounges. Now, if you have a priority pass, um, which is like this $450 card that you can get and a lot of credit cards, if you, if you get a travel credit card, usually they just include that priority pass. Uh, with it anyway but you get to go into these really good lounges like i mean okay priority pass does have good lounges but like if you've been to the the turkish airlines lounge in istanbul airport or something like that like those are over the top lounges with like virtual vr simulators you've got virtual golf in there you've got like different food stations with chefs i mean those are the kind of lounges that are just super sweet you can't usually pay your way to get into those so a lot of airline lounges, you can just pay like 75, 
45 whatever you know usually it's around 45 to 75 dollars to get into the lounge so if you've got a long layover generally that works out because you have a little bit more space to relax and they usually have free food and drink and if you eat at an airport or you buy a cup of coffee you know that can easily run you 20 30 dollars anyway and if you're a couple hours there then it usually makes sense to buy your way into a lounge but those those uh those airline lounges you can't really buy your way into those sort of top tier lounges so if you get that next level of status which is this you know gold or super platinum or whatever they want to call it so if you get that you get that perk and it's a pretty nice perk um also you do get those upgrades so you're the first in line to get upgraded you will get upgraded a lot to business class especially if you have that so they're a lot more generous to hand that out obviously they want to keep you uh with that status because you're spending a lot of money with that airline so that's kind of a a way to you know keep you as a returning customer and it works out generally i think it's worth it you know i mean it's worth it if you have it um so there's this writer uh andrew kimmel who uh i saw this on twitter so uh casey neistat who's a vlogger retweeted this and i read this whole thread he put this whole thread um on Twitter the other day, this is his New Year's Eve. He does um, so. This Andrew Kimmel is the former head of live video at BuzzFeed News, producer of The Bachelor, ABC. All right. Uh, so this was kind of an interesting thread. So he wrote writes to American Airlines says, after arriving at to LA from Indonesia, I was 125 EQDs and uh, 25,000 miles over maintaining status. So what that means is. He had enough miles to maintain his airline status, but he hadn't spent enough of those qualifying dollars or qualifying, you know, purchases to maintain his status. So that means that it's not the amount that he flew. He flew enough, but he had to spend a certain amount of money to maintain that status. And usually the only way those miles is are qualifying, those dollars are qualifying, is that you actually have to buy a, an airline ticket. So he called them and he said American Airlines asked him to pay $1,875 to keep status. So instead, he booked a $400 round trip to Mexico for 24 hours. Here's how my effing night went. That's what he said. This is his tweet on December 31st. Now, I'm just going to say this before I get into the rest of the story. Uh, that I don't know if the status is worth that much. Uh, I don't know if the status is worth that much. Also, it's not very environmentally friendly. I just want to throw that out there. You're you're basically, you know, flying for no reason. But I do get, let's say, if you want to go to Mexico for whatever reason, maybe that's a good excuse. Maybe had some other work there that he could kind of work into it. It seems, again, like New Year's Eve, it seems like, uh, you know, just a little bit. But if you fly a lot, that status can be really nice. <clears throat> but after I tell you this story, you might be thinking he should have probably just paid the 1875 to keep his status. So it starts off saying, I managed to find a cheap hotel and I rented a car for $35, went out for a nice dinner and met a family who surprised me and paid for my bill. Perhaps I should eat alone more often. Then I decided to hit some bars and this is where his 24-hour mileage run got interesting. So at the last bar of the evening he was presented a bill with for over $300 he got two beers and the bar manager said that he'd pay or call the police he gave him his credit card and it got declined because of fraud protection and so uh, and his phone had just died 
So this is like a perfect storm of everything going wrong for him. He owes clearly what is not a real bill. So if you've ever been traveling, um, that's kind of a it's a common scam around the world. So you go to a, a bar um, and you order something, and the bill will come back clearly, clearly ridiculous, like a couple hundred dollars for a few drinks, um, and it's 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 a scam. Usually, though, it, it kind of puts you in a tough situation um, because. Either one, as you'll see the, uh, well, I won't, I won't spoil it. So let me get into that. So he says the bar manager was threatening him. He grabbed me and brought me to an ATM outside. Uh, again, uh, this is a common scam um, in a lot of the world, but I've, I've heard of this scam, uh, especially in Mexico. Um, it can happen. So this is this is one of those things that you just kind of read about and you you know, and I'm sure. Uh, Andrew Kimmel seems like he's well-traveled. He has, obviously, all of this airline status. So he knows uh, he's getting scammed. But there's there's not much you can do right now in this situation. So he calls the police. Um, and he said, surely the Mexican police would understand the situation. Of course, the police were working with the bar manager with the tourist swindle. So the police handcuffed me as the bar manager steals my debit card and my passport. He's put into the police car. He sits up front with the two police officers. He said they actually got along quite well as I applauded their con. The tweets go on. I mean, this is, uh, there's a lot of tweets here. This is a good threat. So the police bring me to a jail somewhere outside of Cabo. I ask if I can get my passport back at least. And they laugh. And they says that they're locking him up for 30 minutes and then they'll let him go. He's placed in a cell with a guy from the UK who got into a fight. So the guy in the cell tells him my effing wife is going to kill me. And then he says somebody else started the fight. Who knows? Um, but he says he knows his wife will call him out on his BS. So this guy clearly gets into a lot of fights. The other guy in the cell. So Andrew is looking at the bright side now. He's saying, you know what? 30 minutes in a Mexican jail. It could be worse. You know, three hours goes by now. So he was expecting to be there for 30 minutes. It's now three hours. Originally, this trip was going to be, what, 24 hours just to maintain the airline status. Um, and so he, he starts, you know, calling for the police, shouts to the bars. It's now daytime and his cellmate says that he really has to go to the bathroom and not pee. Um, he's got a poop there and there's no toilet paper and they're in this small cell and he says there's a blanket covering the window. Um, so this guy, Andrew suggests that his cellmate use the blanket that's covering the window as toilet paper after he goes to the bathroom in the cell and there you go that's what his cellmate did and i have to say you know his cellmate is taking this he's taking this a lot more in stride this doesn't seem like his first time in a foreign jail um but andrew now is stuck he's cold jet lagged from his previous days of travel in indonesia i decide to rest my head on a metal tray uh and then his cellmate's wife found him and posted bail and he says the cellmate says Ah, F it, I should just stay in here. And he was apparently genuinely worried about the upcoming encounter with his wife. Andrew again goes off to sleep and he's woken up a few hours later. So I think it's about six hours later now. And he's woken up and the police say your friend paid bail. And he doesn't know who this friend is. He doesn't He doesn't have any friends there, right? So, um, And he says there was a woman from Kenya waiting outside for me and said, I heard what happened to you came in so i figured you could use some help 
Andrew thanks her and asks what she was arrested for. And she says, I ordered an Uber and the driver said I didn't pay. F Cabo, she says. Uh, so now the two of us start walking to nowhere and spot a guy chilling in his car. We ask for directions back to the marina and he offers us a ride. All right. So that that <clears throat> that part of the story is still pretty bizarre. Just first of all, the guy offering them a ride, uh, the Kenyan stranger who he doesn't know bailing him out just on a, um, you know, on a good out of good intention. Um I think so far we're not all the way through the tweets, but um, if that is the case, you know, it's one of those things that shows you that people are really good. So, so one of these, you know, terrible things can, can kind of this crappy situation can happen, but there's always, you know, some, there's always somebody out there to help you. So uh, he gets into the Marina, the Kenyan guy offers or the Kenyan, not the guy, it's a woman actually. Yeah. Um, they offer she, uh, she offers to give this guy who just gave them a ride to the marina um, cash to thank him and he refuses so that's a good you know good bit of luck and so they he's having a horrible day but this guy just gave them a ride for nothing just to help them out and uh, I think you know it's just one of those things where it's like all right you can look at the horrible stuff but that's that's pretty cool it's a good bit of luck I'm sure they appreciate it he says, the Kenyan joins me to the airport, but unfortunately her flight was at 8.30 a.m. And he says, I have no effing clue what I'm going to do. He calls the passport control, so he doesn't have his passport control. So he calls passport control in the U.S. and to report a stolen passport. They say to call the embassy. He calls. They are closed. And then he asks his new friend to wait in the car at the airport as he runs to the airline desk. It's now 3 p.m. Tells the airline agent what happened. If there's anything I can do to get home, shows him shows the clerk another ID and a photo of the passport. She gets in line with the uh, border protection and somehow arranges for me to jump on the last flight out without a passport. Again, as crappy as the situation is, there are people that are coming to his aid in a lot of good luck. So I mean, I think that's that's so far is just a lot of really good luck that he's having. Uh, after, you know, getting scammed, arrested, and, you know, robbed, pretty much. Um, so he goes to the immigration office, and he needs to purchase a new immigration form for 35 bucks. All I have is my credit card, he says. Um, then he's redirected to another desk that accepts credit card payments. We'll need your passport to process, sir. So he's got his card. He's got to pay for that immigration form. He can't because he doesn't have a passport, which is what they require for ID. Um, so then he runs back out to the car see his new friend and he asks her for cash and he's basically like this is the only way that i'm gonna get this flight and then she grabs my hand tells me it'll be okay and kisses me i kiss back what the f is happening he says this is this is just it's just such a bizarre story so his phone finally turns back on so i guess he plugged it in somewhere he lets his friends know he's in mexico without a passport just spent a night in jail and he might be a little bit late for our New Year's party tonight. They express concern, then bask in my misfortunes. Within one minute, they whip up this gem. So they made a little meme. Uh, I'll leave a link to this whole thread in the show notes. But um, they made a little meme of their friend uh, saying that his passport was stolen. And I just got out of Mexican jail and he's on a beautiful beach. Um, and then let's see. So the ladies tells him, if you can't make the flight, you can stay at my Airbnb. Oh, and then Andrew says, what was once my get out of Mexico turned into, well, this could be interesting. 
but he couldn't. I came to Mexico for that damn mileage run, and I'm getting that status. So after going through all of this, he still committed to the status. And you know what? I can kind of respect that. <laughs> He's gone through all of that for this status. Um, and he says, to sum it up, I was $275 short of status, given an offer to maintain it for $1,800. Uh, I took the $400 a night. I took a $400 flight to spend 24 hours in Mexico and after 20 hours of travel the day before, ended up in Mexican jail with no passport, posted a $350 bail bill and an African crush. Happy New Year's, everybody. Then he notes that the bar stole $500 from them, from him, uh, F them, and uh, he names the bar, but I won't name the bar, uh, but if you want to know it, you can tweet me or I can send you this tweet. You're going to Cabo San Lucas. That's the bar. This is the bar not to go. And then he posts uh, the last photo here is um, he posts his last uh, photo here from the airport in Los Angeles. Um, and then the last tweet is uh, one mile at a time. This website is wondering if this entire story is real. Um, and he says, you know, if you don't believe me, I'll answer any questions on Twitter so he's at Andrew Kimmel. Uh, I don't know Andrew. I just came across this story and I thought that this was interesting, uh, an interesting story. I'll say that as somebody who travels very frequently and could see himself in such a situation, at least, you know, taking a f this kind of flight uh, to maintain status, I can kind of get that. And then the story that came out of it, I mean, I feel like, okay, it's a, it's a crappy situation could have been a lot worse and really he just has now a really really awesome story to tell for the rest of his life and he lost a couple hundred dollars which probably you know some insurance will cover and he'll be fine and he also met some really nice people so i, th I think that's kind of an interesting story i think though you know he starts out the tweet by telling american airlines and just angrily kind of mentioning that you know they were going to charge him 1875 uh, eighteen one thousand eight hundred seventy five dollars to maintain status just because he only need two hundred seventy five dollars um, so that's why he took that flight it's a little bit ridiculous yes um, but those status things are geared toward business travelers corporate travelers so they know the kind of money that they can get um, I mean that's why a business class seat is so expensive because generally the people booking that are corporations so those are corporate travel accounts they're willing, they're going to pay that much. And so the airlines charge that much. Those are not really geared towards consumers. So I kind of think it sucks that it costs that much money to maintain status and that you have to do this kind of ridiculous stuff. Now, maybe he could have bought um, the qualifying miles. Maybe he could have just bought a new, you know, I don't know. Maybe like a, they have a deal with Apple. He could have got a new iPhone. I, I, I don't know. Again, that's still more than $275. But um, I don't think it's the airline's fault that this whole thing happened um, that's like saying that's like blaming an airline that you take a flight and then you know you get robbed at your destination but it's not the airline's fault uh, maybe their pricing uh, scheme is a little bit ridiculous but whatever he's got a great story and I hope you enjoyed that story as well I just I just saw this tweet and I was like alright let me see what this is and I, I, I was just reading this the other day and just like into the rabbit hole and so I thought it was not only a great story and the the way it's told in the tweet thread, I think, is really clever. Um, that tweet thread storytelling is something that I just 
I marvel at people who do that. It's just like so. It just seems so difficult to be able to do that, um, and so I enjoyed that very much. In short, be careful when you travel. <laughs> Watch out for those scams. And uh, if this is like a gold or platinum status, then might be worth it. Spend a night in a Mexican jail. I don't know. It definitely seems like it might be worth it more than spending eight hours in New Year's Eve freezing. But uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me wrong. So um, there you go. All right. So lastly, in this uh, caffeine-fueled jet lag podcast episode from Boston, I want to talk about some travel blogger recommendations. So this video is coming out in a couple of hours, but when this podcast is live, then you'll probably be hearing that. You'll see that video. It'll be live. So what I did was I wanted to give you some travel recommendations for 2020. And so I got in touch with a lot of my travel blogger friends and they were in all parts of the world. It was kind of an interesting, it was fun. It was fun just to sort of connect with the people, you know, people that I haven't talked to maybe in a little bit, um, see them on video, see where they are and get their travel recommendations. So it was a fun little project. Um, So that video is up on YouTube if you want to check that out. What I thought was interesting about it is there were so many places that I haven't been yet. So South Africa is one, uh, Cadiz, Spain, in the south of Spain, Da Nang, Vietnam, Taiwan, Kyrgyzstan, um, all these places that I, I, th- I, I want to say most of the places that they recommended I have not been to yet, which um, really got me curious and really interested to visit to those new places. Um, but as far as my recommendation on where you should travel and not to, I mean, if you heard the first episode, uh, it's probably not a difficult guess. But I, if I was pressed to say a place that you should travel in 2020, I would say it's the Scottish Highlands. Um, I love Scotland. I'm just number one fanboy for Scotland and for Scotland travel. Just so much to see. It has so such a mix of things that I think make a great travel destination. One it's fairly small and it's easily travelable. In other words, you can go to Edinburgh and then go to Glasgow. You can get to the Highlands. All that stuff is, you know, like you can drive all of that in a basically in a long day. So you can get to, I mean, Edinburgh and Glasgow are 45 minutes apart. It's a train ride or a bus ride. Super easy to get to. Super easy to travel between both of them. 75% of the Scottish population is in those two cities or between those two cities. So that's where most of the population is. But if you get up into the Scottish Highlands, and there's a uh, a bus company that I have used a couple of times, a tour company, uh, I think it's called Red Bus Tours. But I'll leave that in the description of the show notes that you want to check out. What I really like about them is the guides are really knowledgeable. Um, I'm not a big tour person, but I like the way this tour is set up. They basically take you to a lot of places, uh, especially in the mountains, that you would not be able to find on your own. And if you're coming from a country that drives on the normal side of the road, which is the right side of the road, um, if you are doing that, then these kind of uh, one-lane roads, especially around the mountains, can be really difficult to navigate. Um, it's hard to drive a car on the the left side of the road and then if having the stick shift on the left, it just I find that very confusing. Um, I've done it before. I've done it on motorbike as well. Um, and what I was telling somebody was, it's easy. To, you can do it. But the thing that I don't like about it is, is if there's some sort of like emergency 
We've got to make a quick serve, like swerve, quick serve, quick serve, swerve. Then um, your instinct tends to kick in, and you tend to swerve if you're used to driving on the right side of the road. You tend to swerve to the right, um, and if you're on the left side of the road and traffic is coming on coming on your right, that's a bad thing to do. That's an instinct. If you've been driving for a long time, that's an instinct that's hard to get out of your brain. So, that said, the tour also takes you to all these places that you would not be able to find on your own. It would be very difficult. You could do it. It would just take a lot more time. Um, so they have these tours. What I like about it is they drop you off. The guides are really good. They give you a lot of Scottish history, but it's not too much. It's not like they're constantly talking or in your face. When they drop you off, it's pretty much... Here's a couple of things about this place. Here's a hiking path. If you want to do it, go for it. Um, and you're on your own. So it's 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 not a micromanaged tour style, which I really like. Um, and you can do it in, in three days. I have a three-day and a five-day, all these different packages. I've got a one-day up to Loch Ness. Um, but I really recommend that you visit for 2020. If you have somewhere to go, if you love nature, if you love just pristine, just clean nature it's just kind of rugged and I, there's just so much to like about it i would really recommend that you visit the scottish highlands and especially the isle of sky the isle of sky is just one of the it was just one of those places where it's tiny i was there in the winter i was just there a couple months ago um so there are no tourists basically and you're if you're a tourist and you go out to a restaurant or to a bar um everybody's going to know you're a tourist because everybody in the town knows everybody. So I went out one night to, to, a to a bar and it was, it was hilarious because, you know, people just come up to you and talk to you. They're just curious about what you're doing there and, you know, where you came from, what you do for, you know, what you do for a living. Um, it's just that I'm, I was just imagining that all these people, usually go to the bar, especially when there are no tourists, when it's, you know, winter, when it's not tourism season. They probably just see each other all the time. And I even asked a couple of the guys, like, are these all the people you went to high school with? And like, yeah. Um, you know, I've known these people most of my whole life. I know all their gossip. I know everything. And they know it about me too. Um, so it was really interesting. People were buying me and my friends drinks. Um, it was just super friendly. It was just like the complete opposite of Andrew Kimmel's Mexican bar experience. I had that in, in the Isle of Skye. Uh, there was live music just kind of that night where everybody's singing and having a good time drinking. Um, and everybody had a great story. And so there's one guy I met who was saying that he he's Scottish, he's from the Isle of Skye, um, but that his wife uh, is Irish. And I was like, well, how did you meet her? Was you know? And he said, well, I was working in Dublin for uh, a number of years. I don't remember. Um, and he said that we lo- we liked it in Dublin, we loved it. And he goes, but you know, I'm from the Isle of Skye. There's no place in the world like this. This this is home to me, and this is just where I belong. And uh, I I don't know. I felt like that summed up uh, the Isle of Skye experience for me. Just that that one evening, um, the nature is absolutely beautiful. Uh, if you've got a drone, Scotland is great. You can pretty much drone anywhere in scotland and uh as long as the weather cooperates with you which is basically a 10 percent chance um it's really accessible i love how well they take care of their nature i like how proud the people are of the landscape and the country uh, so if in 2020 there is one place that you should visit 
I'm going to say Scottish Highlands, but I'm going to put Isle of Skye at the top of the list. Even in the winter, if you don't mind it being a little bit chilly, cold, rainy, and windy, which pretty much sounds like the summer too, uh, then it's a great place to go. The rates for the bed and breakfast for the hotels are like more than half off. So what you want to do is time that, basically schedule that for like October, September, you know, when the tourism season is dying out, it's not too cold. Um, and if you dress well, you know, it's not too bad in the Isle of Skye, the, the town of Portree, which is sort of the main town there. It's so small that you can pretty much walk across it in 20 minutes. So, you know, there's there's plenty uh, that you're not going to be outside that much or that often. But if you like hiking, if you like uh, being in the outdoors and you don't mind it being a little bit chilly and rainy and windy, then you're really going to enjoy it there. Um, and of course, I'll put the rest of Scotland too. Um, Edinburgh, you, if you're going to the Highlands, you're going to be in Edinburgh or probably or Glasgow. You're flying, flying into one of those two cities. You'll probably like both cities. I think most people are going to like Edinburgh more than Glasgow. Glasgow is more of a drinking um, music. Uh, it's more of a fun city. So if that's kind of if that's what you like to do, then you're going to like that city. Um, Edinburgh is more like just this beautiful. Uh, it's really more tourist friendly in the sense that it's got all these sites, um, more touristic sites to actually see. And, uh, you know, so it's more geared toward uh, just overall tourism. So you're going to be in one of those two cities. Spend some time in those cities, but don't make the mistake of missing the highlands from there. Definitely, definitely make some time for that. So that would be my number one recommendation for you for 2020. I'm going to uh, also leave in the show notes. Just go to YouTube, Fox Nomad. You'll see the video with all my travel blogger friends and their recommendations. I highly recommend that you check that out. Uh, you can see where they recommend and you can also see where they are right now. So I thought that was kind of just interesting part of the video itself. So thanks very much for listening to the second episode of the Fox Nomad Travel Smarter podcast. I'm going to get ready now. I've got a couple of projects that I'm going to... Got to get ready for CES coming up next week. Um, there's probably going to be a new episode uh, next week, so maybe just a special episode all about the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. They have also got a ton. It's just not It's not just Consumer Electronics. They've got a whole bunch of travel products, backpacks, drones, uh, you know, solar water bottles. Like You name it, it's going to be there. And uh, it was one of the most fun things that I did in 2019, and I knew... I knew I wanted to go in 2020, so that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Las Vegas the next week, and I'm actually starting out the first two months of the year in a couple of, well, in new cities, and uh, I'm going to add some new countries to the list as well, Um, and I'll let you know more about that in the next episode. Thanks very much for uh, listening and checking out the podcast. Let me know. Make sure if you're listening, if you're this far, I would really appreciate a five-star review on uh the apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this if you can go ahead and give it a five-star review i really appreciate that and like i said in the first episode your feedback is what's going to make this podcast a lot better so please leave me your feedback you can find me on twitter at fox nomad you can send me an email you can instagram message me whatever let me know what you think of the podcast what i can do better what you'd like to hear what topics and so on thanks again i hope you have a very happy new year with lots and lots of travel. I've got so many ways to help you travel smarter in the new year. I'm all looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. And I'll see you in the next episode.